Welcome to the Mary Jane Experience. Unbiased, unabridged, and most of all, informative. From our mountaintop view here in Colorado, here's how we see the cannabis industry today. Let's look at weed. Journaling. Journaling has been said to do everything from boosting your IQ and memory to helping you achieve goals, spark creativity, boost self-confidence, and beyond. But what happens when you mix journaling with cannabis? You guessed it. Today we're talking cannabis journaling with the founder of Goldleaf, Charles McElroy. Goldleaf makes highly curated journals that focus on the user experience and marriage of design and functionality. Casey Jones and myself actually both have one. We do. And I, I love what Charles says about, it's almost like an adult coloring book. I love that, actually. Mm-hmm. And, and the little time that I've spent with mine, I gotta be admit, I incriminate myself here. Not great at journaling. Um, I just, I'm not. But the little time that I've spent with it, I like the layout. I like the ability to sit and think and be mindful about my experience. So adult coloring book, I like that. Exactly. There's little graphs and bubbles to fill in. They, they guide you through the experience very well, letting you know, you know, asking the question of, what terpenes are you noticing and what cannabinoids are actually in this strain? It, it's basically mindfulness elevating your relationship with cannabis and your body. Absolutely. So set us up. What, um, what is this week's episode about? What uh, are we talking about? Obviously, it's journaling. Who did you talk to? What did you talk about? Let's start there. Okay. So as I said, I talked to Charles McElroy. He is the founder of Goldleaf. We talked about very briefly a little bit about Goldleaf, but we wanted to, they're pretty well known, so mm-hmm. we wanted to dive a little deeper. Well, for those who don't know, what is Goldleaf? Of course. So they create journals and posters and educational materials on the cannabis plant. So their main shebang, so to speak, are the journals. They've got a cooking journal, a CBD journal, a patient journal for, you know, medical marijuana patients. Got it, yeah, yeah. A grower's journal. Ooh. I know. The ones that we have are just the general cannabis taster journals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So their goal is essentially... They, they want to take a very scientific approach to cannabis and a thoughtful, educated, very eye-catching user experience kind of thing. So, so that's what Goldleaf is in you know, the broad spectrum. They work with a lot of different companies. They do a lot of B2B to do interesting custom education projects where they do a lot of co-branding and, and things of that nature. I know we have a lot of industry folks that are listeners. So if you have an exciting project and you know you have an idea for Goldleaf, Charles told me like we are always open to yeah. working with other companies to make something really cool. Or if people have a new product launch and mm-hmm. they want a little bit of user feedback, maybe co-branding a Goldleaf journal could be fun. Yeah. But so 
you know, that that's the very short gold leaf rundown. But we went through what I thought was just so interesting is just sort of the psychology of journaling, why it's important, the endocannabinoid system, how it's different for everybody and how journaling can help that. Charles has a really interesting perspective on the future of the industry and a whole lot more. So very exciting episode. I can't wait to dig in. Perfect. Wonderful. So gold leaf journaling. Uh, What did you guys talk about? Tell us, what was your first question? What did you ask? The first question I asked Charles was, gold leaf touts itself, it's, it's sort of slogan is that it's a science forward printing company. And I just wanted to simply ask, what does that mean? Great question. I guess it, it probably does require a bit of explanation, but that is basically the bucket that we will put all of our content in. Uh, we really like making the science behind things interesting and approachable. Um, and I think there's so many, uh, so many topics and narratives we can talk about within that camp of, of kind of the science forward side. So that's kind of where we focus uh, for that reason. It, it touches on education and it got a fair amount of really cool aesthetics and, and artistic things that we can do as well. You know, from like the infographic data, data visualization side of even the simplest of topics to, uh, you know, illustration styles that kind of harken back to the scientific revolution and uh, uh, that type of art, that type of style with, I guess, kind of like the line drawn, the pencil drawn images, botanical illustrations and, you know, biological illustrations and those kinds of things. So uh, right now that's kind of our... Our, our sweet spot, uh, you know, definitely with the, the content that we do, but also the, uh, the visual approach that we take. So for me, I love textbooks. You know this. If you haven't picked up this, on this, uh, listening to the podcast, I love textbooks. Um, going back to that thought of the adult coloring book aspect of it, sounds like we were just touching on it. Um, what are your thoughts there? I personally have never been a big fan of school or textbooks or really even science in general. It's taken me to my old age to appreciate the finer things in life like science. <laughs> which like a is fine wine. it grows on you, I swear. <laughs> which is why I appreciate a science-based company that uses aesthetics, which is where I really shine with my fine arts degree. Check out that Instagram, just saying. (laughs) (laughs) But someone that uses aesthetics, infographics, data visualization to draw you in. It helps me understand and love the subject matter so much more if it's just simply beautiful. Yeah, facts. And Charles had a little bit to say about that as well. That's definitely something we think about on the top whenever we do a new piece or project. We want that exact behavior. We want people to kind of be drawn in and, and curious about it just strictly with, from their eyes without even considering the content. And then, you know, when they get closer and they start digging into it, it, it kind of keeps their attention and maybe educates them on something or, or maybe it, it just kind of scratches an itch that they have to, to learn more and, and be a curious person. So I wanted to briefly touch on some of the 
charts and infographics visualizations that they have. One of them is a biphasic dosing chart. Basically, understanding the proper dosing is essential to when trying to understand the ideal dose for any given ailment. The biphasic property states that as the dose increases, the therapeutic value does not necessarily increase at the same rate. Rather, it can have the opposite effect sometimes. For those unfamiliar with what a biphasic dosing chart might look like, imagine a bell curve. So on one side, you would have a low dose. On the other side, you would have a high dose. Right in the middle, you would have a medium dose. The idea is potentially kind of as that dosage increases to medium, you would have an optimal effect. As that dose increases to high dosage, you might have a less than optimal effect. So we're just basically talking about like a bell curve at this point, in case you want to visualize that. Biophysic dosing chart. It's effectively a bell curve to understand when you're having that good, happy, fun, high, and when you move into that, oh my God, I'm paranoid, the police are coming to raid my house high, <laughs> which we've all been to. Or just how the inflammatory mechanisms work <laughs> most effectively. That, well, we don't got to bring science into that argument, but basically, yes. Um, other cool infographics and things in the Gold Leaf journals that you found that you enjoyed? There's a ton. There's, you know, the endocannabinoid system laid out in a visual way. There are cannabinoid profiles, terpene infographics that are very sexy, just showing the whole terpene profile. Mm -hmm. And that comes back to like like flavors almost in a way too, like fresh piney smells versus lemony and, and the terpenes associated with those, correct? Exactly. Terpenes are basically the essential oils of the cannabis plant. So yeah. You know, the piney ones are going to make you feel relaxed like you're in the forest, and the lemony ones are going to make you feel a little more upbeat, and lavender is going to make you fall asleep at night. Terpenes. Very cool. So when 90s rap music talks about that skunky, sticky, icky, icky, wee, they're really just talking about terpenes? Possibly. More or less. Yeah, well, that sounds, sounds right. And then they even have <laughs> things like uh, the terpene food and wine pairing charts. Ooh. So something great for somebody that works in a kitchen, you know? Yeah. I wouldn't mind having that in my kitchen. Yeah, food and cannabis is, is growing. Yeah, Much we're like definitely going to do a, a food and wine cannabis pairing episode. That's coming up soon. I can't, I can't soon. wait for that, mm -hmm. by the way. Anyway, moving forward in our interview with Charles... Uh, talking about gold leaf journals. What did you guys talk about next, moving away from the journaling aspect and what they are in, in their physical forms? So I asked Charles about the therapeutic benefits of journaling just in general, because we all have heard about the benefits of journaling. And then taking that a step further into how does that affect your cannabis adventure sounds like the gold leaf journals very well designed very functional it seems like we're you know maybe touching on the idea that journaling as a form of therapy while using cannabis could be a thing did you guys talk about that at all yeah exactly so you know gold leaf is more visual than your typical journal making it a lot easier to jump into something like journaling 
writing in general is so good for your mind and body. As we talked about in the very intro, and just to expand on that, stress management, it, it improves immune function. Really? Which sounds crazy, but there's a study from, it was 2013, so it's a little older now, but still it, there was a study <laughs> that found that 76% of adults who spent 20 minutes writing about their thoughts and feelings for just three days um, consecutively before a medically necessary biopsy were fully healed 11 days later. Now, 58% of the control group had not recovered that hadn't journaled. Oh. So, documented benefits of journaling. There you go. Interesting. Um, It sharpens your memory. It boosts your mood. And just in general, like Charles said, it's a meditative thing to do. I know that there have been a lot of apps developed and a lot of different approaches to kind of do something similar. You know, we're not the first to think about journaling about cannabis by any means. All we did is we kind of made a, we kind of put the user experience first and made a guided approach to it. So it's, you know, more, uh, well, less intimidating to somebody who's new to it all. And, you know, we're prompting the user for data points or or things to keep in mind while they're, you know, utilizing cannabis um, that will hopefully be more useful for them when they go back and look at, at the entries that they've taken. You know, people have taken notes and things with, with standard journals and all that. You know, kind of what, what we bring is a, a little bit more, maybe a visual approach to it, you know, kind of like an adult coloring book, filling in bubbles and um, drawing your own little graphs and things. So, you know, part of it is for people who want to just geek out a little bit more. And part of it is to prompt those people who are, who are new or unfamiliar to it to be able to take better notes and to, to be mindful of things that they might not have considered with just, you know, a pen and paper or something. So, you know, that, that's one main difference in our approach to, to kind of the notebooks. And, you know, in general, I would, I would kind of argue that there's, there's a lot of other ancillary benefits to journaling um, that are very kind of uh, appropriate for, for cannabis users to, to think about compared to something like like maybe an app or maybe just computer program or an app. Just the nature of writing, it's great for your mind and body. forces you to slow down. It, it allows your mind to recompose thoughts. So you're, you're also going to have the benefit of creating better memories as you're, as you're writing, which cannabis definitely uh, affects your short-term memory. So by, um, by doing that exercise and practice when, when you're in the thick of, of some therapy, you're, you're helping your, your brain offset that and you're helping your, your mind to recognize things that you may otherwise not have been able to point out if you're, you know, simply tapping trees on an app or something like that. So I, I think there's a lot of silent benefits to doing it apart from just documenting your journey. You're also, you know, doing something that is, is meditative and um, has these other side benefits that are maybe not not necessarily something that you're thinking about when you're deciding if you're going to like write down the specifics of what you're doing as a patient. Personally, for me, I love what he says there about creating better memories because for me, 
in my experience with cannabis, a lot of my preconceived notions, even now when we try new product, I have a little bit of fear based on those quote challenging highs that I've had in the past. And it is tough sometimes to get over that. If you have a bad experience with something, it tends to dominate one's memory and you have to replace that with a lot of good memories. So in terms of using this as both a recreational and medical substance, that being the cannabis plant, journaling kind of sounds legit in that regard because it reinforces those positive memories or even just memories that don't stick with you so wholly. Yeah, well, as Charles says, we all know that cannabis does affect our short-term memory. And for me, it's not necessarily replacing bad memories with good ones, but just not losing what I have in some of those, what Charles calls therapy sessions. Mm. You know, you get really high, maybe you need that. And you can't always remember some of your excellent ideas or what you were really feeling in the moment Mm -hmm. and things of that nature. And if you just can sit down and write it down, you you won't even really have to look back at your writing. You're helping your brain just create that memory stronger in general. And that is an excellent point because maybe those quote challenging highs of the past, it it just was challenging because you had something on your mind and you couldn't get through it or whatever. But if you were able to maybe just write down your thoughts, you could go back and look and realize, oh, it really wasn't that bad. Exactly. I was just kind of stuck in that circle or whatever. Um, So maybe not, yeah, like you said, not replacing, quote, good experiences with bad experiences, but just having a reference of your thought process would be nice. Exactly. Well, and also one of the things that he mentioned is, they're no, by no means the first people to do this, but people are trying to do it with apps and yep. computer programs. And it's important these days to get away from the screen. Yeah. So I did ask him about screen time. And of course, the distraction and, and blue light is bad, but I was interested to hear his other reasoning for getting away from screen time. You know, not only the the constant distraction and the blue light, but you know, from a security standpoint, um, there's there's not really the same type of vulnerability of putting your your personal medical info into the cloud. You know, compared to putting it in something that is tactile and in front of you and that you can, you know, kind of have full control over. Plus, you don't ever need to update anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great point. You know, without getting too too deep into it, our, our journals definitely do travel and you know, it's everybody's kind of personal choice what, what they do. And, and, you know, we're obviously hoping that they follow their state or country's policies. Uh, but, you know, it is something that is surely more digestible and, and safer from a security standpoint than, you know, tying your Apple ID to a download of something or uh, an email address to... Uh, maybe a a download of a program or something like that. Interesting point there, the security idea. Well, it just makes sense. I mean, do you want to put, especially if you're in a non-legal state, I don't want to put all of my cannabis experiences into an app that can get hacked and then shared with the internet like that porn website. Or even Zoom got hacked recently. What was this? Like, it was like a 
gentleman callers website where they were looking for oh is that ashley madison yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you That's never right. know you never know oh what's gosh. gonna get hacked i totally forgot about that yeah you could be trying to do something as discreet as a random hookout outside of your marriage <laughs> i mean yep you know the world's a crazy place at this point security the cloud all of our information's out there effectively if you're worried about your bank statements getting stolen they've already been stolen don't worry about it um, but you're right. If you're in a non-legal state and you do have multiple cannibal cannabis cannibal. Oh, you said cannibal before. I know I can't get over it. Anyway. We're cannibals have... now. <laughs> now we eat people. Guys, smoke this weed. podcast has just changed completely from cannabis <laughs> podcast to cannibal podcast. People. Oh, mate. Or what is it? Uh, Soylent Green. It's people. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, but... You never heard of Soylent Green? No. Oh, my God. It's like an old sci-fi film, and they like convince everyone that all they need to eat is Soylent Green. Oh. Aliens. Okay. And so everyone's like drinking yes, Soylent yes, Green, yes, yes. and then they find back. out at the end, Soylent Green, it's people. You're <laughs> eating people. Anyways. Anyway, you know, if, you're ha- if you have a bunch of cannabis experiences... You probably don't want that floating around out there in the cloud, especially if you're in a non-legal state. And the reason why we have aliases. It's true. So It's true. But speaking of sense. people. Speaking of people. Let's talk about the endocannabinoid system and my, how my we're all different. favorite system in the human body and what gives us all our individual characteristics. Yeah. So I asked Charles <laughs> just basically, you know, we... I think everyone knows about the endocannabinoid system that's listening to this podcast. If you don't go back from the start, listen to this point, you'll get caught up. It's fine. Yeah. Well, essentially, (laughs) it's a system we all have. It's named after the plant. It's probably one of the most important systems in our bodies. And it's basically just supposed to establish and maintain health. Actually, just go back one episode to the Fabrizio Pamplona endocannabinoid. Continue. Yeah. Yeah. So... Anyways, I asked Charles about the endocannabinoid system, how they're all just so different person to person, and how journaling can help you understand yours and in turn help you heal using cannabinoids. Ooh, I like that. That's very interesting. It is. See what he has to say. We've uh, been very careful with the language that we choose so that it is clear that everybody is different and and that requires constant reminder to how you ask for things when you're you know when you're writing some some sort of data entry piece and yeah you're absolutely right like everybody's endocannabinoid system would be totally different so that means like your positive or negative effects would be totally different any cultivar or cannabinoid cocktail that you're you're having with with a certain product would would also be different and you know we've thankfully started getting away from the the indica sativa language around things since that that certainly can be misleading and part of that you know with with that kind of communication fight (laughs) putting more attention on the endocannabinoid system and and kind of informing people that it's it's really the unique chemical cocktail of of any plant or product that is going to affect you and it it is going to be different for everybody so what works for your friend or or your mother or something uh, might not be the case for you. So uh, the, the only real way to tell is experimentation. 
I know that is <laughs> that sounds kind of scary and risky to some people, but thankfully cannabis is safe. Uh, you know, it's it's a non toxic substance. So they you've you've heard the the moniker start low and go slow. That's kind of the uh, the sweet spot and and what we'll kind of communicate in a lot of our content. But you know, in general, it's kind of up to the individual to find the boundaries of their own endocannabinoid system and learn what other outside stimulus like affects it, you know, whether it's uh, your diet, how much sleep you've had, are you dehydrated at the moment, or have you had, you know, enough to drink? Um, All of those things will subtly play with your endocannabinoid system because that system is essentially, it's tied to so many physiological components, but its mission is one thing, which is homeostasis, it's balanced. So if you find a, a cultivar or product that is perfect for you, but you get out of balance in other ways, like maybe you have not been sleeping well and decided to take a few more trips to a fast food restaurant or something, um, that same cultivar may affect you differently under those different circumstances because that's just how the, the endocannabinoid system will work. It's always like a scale, always going backward and forward, trying to find that balance for your own system. And, you know, it touches a lot of things, uh, regulates a lot of things. And through those, those strings that it pulls, it will kind of render different experiences. Communicating that is, is kind of tough. There's, there's a lot of thick scientific lingo that we would normally impart, but, you know, at least, at least with a lot of our projects, we really try to boil it down and make something that is easy to understand for for the average individual with the endocannabinoid system, like having that baseline understanding of what it is and how kind of complex and impossible it is to give somebody a clear recommendation or dose recommendation. That's a a challenge and it's really important. And really the, the only thing to say there is that everybody's different and you need to find your own sweet spot. Uh, We try to communicate that, but it's, it's challenging. A, A lot of people will kind of turn to us and ask us, very clear questions like i have this condition what uh what terpenes or cannabinoids or or cultivars do you recommend and that is not what we do it's not for us to to recommend things we we kind of focus on communication and education so that's what i meant earlier with having that kind of measured approach to language um we we do want to be careful not to steer somebody down the wrong path and that's very easy if we were to clearly say like you know, oh, you have arthritis? Well, this is the cultivar for you, period, end of story. That's not, that's almost never going to work. But, you know, at the same time, there there's data and, and research that has started to be more prominent that gives clear indications of what might be a good starting point. So talking about that starting point to address certain issues and how the endocannabinoid system could mediate those issues is kind of what we do. And, and, where where we need to dwell, you know, we're we're not again, we're not trying to give like the clear cut recommendation simply because that that in itself is not accurate, and we want to be accurate and everything <laughs> we kind of publish. So <laughs> I love that. I, I I love the thought of using something as simple as a journal to help you better understand your own personal cannabinoid system. Because that that's one of the big mysteries to be solved in the world of legal cannabis. What works best for you? 
what terpene profile, what indica sativa, things like that. You know, we all have our preconceived notions about what those things are when really it just comes down to your personal experience with the plant. Yeah. I love it. I love that. I, I think that it's consideration. the way that Charles said it in, in that it's up to the individual to find the boundaries of their endocannabinoid system and learn about what outside stimulus affects it. You know, it, unfortunately, like, yes, cannabis is at the point right now where you really just have to experiment to find what works for you. And it kind of sucks. It'd be great to just be like, I have this problem. Prescribe me this. Yeah. It's not like that. No, it's not. And even if you are prescribed THCA, <laughs> yeah, right. Or, you know, or, or whatever you CBN are. CBN or whatever. It depends on the outside stimulus. So your diet, your exercise, your hydration, all of those things are subtly playing with your system. And being able to write down everything about that day and what you tried and what you used will help you get to the bottom of your symptoms in general and then what has worked and what has not. Absolutely. Just makes sense. It does. Yeah. The endocannabinoid system is so cool. I think we're going to like do a whole episode on a total deep dive. Yeah. This is something that comes up almost in every single interview that we do. We're going to dig deeper into it. Stay tuned for that. However, you did talk briefly about an approach to modern medicine, pill taking. What yeah, did Charles well, have to say about that? I mean, I just wanted to bring up that this approach to basically just understanding your own body and not saying, okay, you have this, take this pill, but instead saying, okay, you have this, maybe you need to balance other parts of your body. Maybe you need to work on your diet. Maybe you need a cannabinoid for, for this, as opposed to just like, here's a pill and that'll solve it. Yeah. So I thought you know, journaling and this whole approach should be taken to any form of medicine, whether it's cannabis or pharmaceuticals. And Charles completely agreed, basically. <laughs> the fact that it is cannabis and the fact that it, it, it does have this fractured kind of pool of information, uh, depending on kind of what state you're in or even what country you're in, finding the, the answers to your like Google queries or your whatever questions you have in your mind, it, it's difficult to get the truth with, with this subject. And I think that really could be applied to almost all type of, of medicine from, you know, traditional pharmaceuticals to um, other kind of holistic approaches and um, making people more self-aware and self-reliant for their own health, which I, I think kind of is what the journal does. It forces you to be mindful of yourself um, it's something that should absolutely be applied to almost any type of therapy you do, cannabis or non, um, just because you'll be a better patient and you'll you'll be more informed about your your own body. And you know that's that's kind of the goal. That's always going to be helpful. I love that thought of being self reliant and taking one's own health into their own hands. I think that's a major issue that we have with the current healthcare system that we have in place. People are encouraged rather than to be proactive about their health, reactionary, oh no, something's wrong, gotta go to the doctor, get a pill to deal with that. You maybe had a journal, quick plug, to track your experiences over time. You could maybe you know realize that you yourself are very unique to the rest of the world. Women have been, 
WebMD isn't always going to have the answers. You no. Know? Just it not. really just helps you become a better patient and just yeah. overall in general better in tune with your own body so that you are able to take preventative care. Exactly. Which is one of the most fucked up things about at least our country is that we don't believe in preventative care here. No, we don't. We wait till you have a problem and then we try and fix it. My brother has an iron deficiency. His doctor said he should eat more red meat. Yeah, you know, there's so also you have spinach. An iron deficiency, but you should definitely clog them arteries because we got a drug for that and that shit pays for my trip to Cabo. Yeah. Which, mm. anyway, besides that. Another time, another place. I would like to rant and rave about this one because it pisses me off, but I'm not going to do it because... Maybe just a little bit. We want to get into <laughs> the language that Charles talks about. Mm -hmm. Being able to create a notebook that asks the right questions to get the most effective answer out of patients. Which we could apply to the topic we were just talking about. What are the right questions to ask yourself while using a medicinal anything yeah what are and those right questions those are hard questions to come up with and i think yeah. that's something that gold leaf at least is trying to do well and that maybe we're not always able to do for ourselves is just ask the right questions is just say like how did this feel for this with this factor yeah. You know, it changes the way that you might answer that question. And I thought it was interesting also the way that Charles has to change the way he asks those questions demographically. Oh, yeah. Good point. So language is important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I was going to I was thinking about uh, that for you. Like, I, I know in, in our work, we do a lot of custom work with other businesses and in the cannabis space from all over well the, the world kind of and depending on who we're talking to we really have to adjust the language to fit so for example we we've uh, worked out compliance editions of our journals for canada and most of that compliance came with just changing the language from something like dose to serving you know, that's a, that's a quick example for them. And then, you know, working with a client in New Mexico where they're, they're so still baked into the indica sativa terminology that it's not really possible to just say like, hey, this isn't the best way to talk about this. Let's change it. We've got to instead kind of build off of where the understanding is in the community. So I would imagine you, you guys probably run into that too with talking with, with all the people you talk to from around the industry and just the, the difference in in terminology or preferred terminology and the colloquialisms and all that. We always talk about language here. Well, we're always asking questions. Well, we're always asking questions, but we're always talking about the ways to destigmatize marijuana, pot, dope by calling it cannabis. Um, we talked a little bit about language in different countries moving to different states the difficulties there kind of similar exactly so not even just language or maybe just tied into language mm -hmm. are the difficulties in general of education state by state country by country world over how you need to change the way you approach education depending on where geographically you are comics always say this know your audience exactly
So I asked Charles about that and how, how they deal with that. And he got a lot into Ohio, which is actually really interesting because it's its own little world. So let's hear it from him. Yeah, it, it's funny. So we're, we're technically headquartered in Ohio. And, um, you know, Ohio's medical program is still in its infancy. And, you know, for the most part, we, we will do our events and networking and stuff in other states right now that have a little bit more robust industry and community. And, you know, that said, I'm really interested in, in meeting and, and working with these, these kind of new businesses here in our state, just because of, you know, I, I grew up here and, and I like to see the community come together and especially in a positive and responsible way. Um, but yeah, there is, there is such a missing piece of, of education here. It's unlike anything I've seen with other states that were new. And I think it is due to the fact that Ohio is the only state that did not have a ballot initiative to get cannabis passed. It was a, a legislative initiative, kind of a strategic one to, to scare away the ballot initiative. So the legislation or the legislators have more control over things. But because of that, things have moved extra slow, and we're worried that patients will not be able to access what they would need to access because of the way the laws are built here. So taking that educational piece and, and communicating it to these different businesses, it's almost like they're not interested right now because there's nothing they can do about it. You know, If we're like, okay, look, 22% of the uh, registered patients in our state are looking for cannabis for maybe like muscle spasms or something like that. These are the cannabinoids that have the best chances of being effective for them. Well, those are not really present in the high-yielding cultivars, and only high-yielding cultivars, you know, with a little bit of variety in there, are being grown right now because there's the, su the supply and demand is so, is so off right now. Uh, high demand, low supply, basically. So, um, and also, the, the policy generally makes it really challenging for a producer to basically have have a bad crop they they will risk losing their their uh, license and permit almost immediately so for that reason they've got to pick these safe cultivars that are high yielder uh, high yielders so that they can you know put some in and like cold storage in case something like that happens and so yeah the the variety is not there so so the the narrative of education and uh, options because that's what it what it all comes down to is options for patients. Those options are not there yet, not even close. And I don't think it'll be here within the next year, even though, uh, you know, dispensaries are opened technically. It's just the way the industry has rolled out here. And so I'm uh, still kind of struggling how Goldleaf can be the, can get involved in a positive way without being that person in the room who is like, you guys are doing it wrong or something like that. That's not, that's not our goal. Uh, we want to, we want to help patients and, and help people kind of in the space in Ohio, it's patients. Uh, we obviously touch on other subjects in the cannabis space, but with Ohio, it's pretty much the medical side that is of the most interest to the state here. And a lot of the options and information that they could possibly be be charting down or whatever it's just not there it's missing like there's a couple cultivars they can access throughout the next six months and so at that point you're just only focusing on other elements of your therapy um, and that's a pretty big one you know the actual chemical compounds that you're accessing if it's the same few every time that's just very limiting uh, what you can treat well 
I know we'll get there, of course, but it's just a little, I, I, don't, I don't know, frustrating is the word because I, I, it wasn't unexpected, but I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, it's just kind of uh, a little uh, disappointing, I guess. I'm 99.9% sure Ohio was the state where Nick Lachey or one of, like, either a Backstreet Boy or an NSYNC or 98 Degrees character was trying to be one of the five cannabis companies that were allowed to produce medical and recreational cannabis. Um, and Ohio effectively like voted it down because they didn't want it. So the situation in Ohio, currently not great. Um, limited access to certain things of that nature, which brings up the, you know, talk about state to state. It's it's crazy right now because everybody is so different. Oregon's different yeah. than Washington and Colorado than California. Than... Anyway, <clears throat> so having a consistent and common language, eventually we'll get there. But right now, everybody has to be approached very differently. Dabs might mean one thing in California than they do in Colorado. So language, very interesting. The language of cannabis. Ooh, new podcast idea. The Ooh. language of cannabis. What's in a name? Yeah, well, and anyway. he goes into so much about, you know, just right now, and we've heard this from so many different people, but the cannabis education is just key. Yeah. And having a resource that people can tap into that's not just some bullshit, just Ohio trying to tell you lies. Yeah, exactly. Is really important. And that's what we strive to do here is to be an educational source. Mm -hmm. But it's not even easy for us because everybody's got a different story. Yeah. And, and there's so much happening out there, state to state, country to country, that this thing is, is morphing in front of your eyes. We're all here to document it. That's why we exist. But the hell of a ride. Here we are. Fascinating and fun. So Speaking our last question, changes. as per usual. Casey Jones's claim to fame on this podcast, <laughs> his number one favorite question of all time. Casey, what is it? Are you tired of asking this question to people? No, I really do love it. Okay. <laughs> and Charles had a really good perspective, really good insights on this. So I'm, I'm glad to ask as well. That's right, people. It's the one, five, and 10-year industry predictions. Speaking of things that are morphing and changing as we're going. Here's what Charles had to say. I think one is, is relatively simple, which is not all that dissimilar from where we are today. Just because, you know, so much of the progress is, is stifled by the kind of where we are politically. And that stuff just doesn't move fast. So even if, if you have people with progressive ideas uh, in line, even taking office, it's still going to move kind of slow. So um, I know we've got a couple elections, obviously, over the course of a year. So I don't think there will be any major changes from where we are now. Just that that I don't know, it's not necessarily slow either, but constant progress towards something better. So I, I kind of envision that continuing. I think the five year game, you'll see a lot of bigger companies coming in and kind of absorbing some of the little guys or just kind of squelching them. And, you know, this is, this is some of the, you know, larger companies who are not in the cannabis space who have wanted to get into the cannabis space. I think that their projects and ideas will have started to take fruition within that time frame. So you'll see like the equivalent of some of the 
alcohol or tobacco industry players bubbling up as like a way to consolidate the industry a bit. I kind of envision that in five years, there will be at least one major legislative change. And that could be as simple as decriminalizing cannabis on a federal scale. And that would really change things fast from, you know, all of these insurance and bank banking and um, a lot of the other tools and services that cannabis companies can't access or at least have a, have a tough time accessing them. I could see that all getting kind of wiped away by something as sim- simple as the, the decriminalization, you know, changing cannabis from a Schedule 1. Really, this isn't even a conservative versus liberal issue. Um, this, the stats are pretty much everybody in the country is pro-cannabis. Well, not everybody, but the vast majority. And again, depending on how you frame the question, you'll get a different stat, but they're all very positive. So that's one part. And the other part is just like money. People, people and companies love money. I think that that is going to turn a lot of people's attention to it. You know, in the sense like maybe, maybe they were not an advocate, uh, maybe anti-cannabis and then you know, they see the potential of tax dollars and, you know, all of the other economic boosts that come with this industry from canatourism to, uh, you know, all of the other services that these businesses touch. And, you know, in that five-year look, it's going to start ramping up and, and looking to be like something more, more in line of uh, the alcohol industry or something. And I think 10 years will be even further down that track, I kind of would see at that point that the federal government had gotten involved and is doing some national regulation of the industry. Um, and also, th- I could see them having an interest in, in snatching up a little tax revenue from that, too. You know, but with that, there's also benefits. Hopefully, some of that tax revenue would be earmarked for positive things in, in communities. And it would also mean that, you know, in a way of thinking of it, uh, the federal government is pro-cannabis just like they are pro-alcohol. I, I think that that type of progress is almost immeasurable and, and really difficult to visualize. But I'd also like to see like the industrial side of things, hemp products uh, being grown more domestically and you know digging out some of these states like Kentucky to our south from, from their economic turmoil uh, due to all the tobacco farmers who have a tough time selling their crops and you know transition them to uh, hemp or a lot of these other communities who, you know, struggle with, with mining and, you know, the, the, the change in our energy plans, farming hemp is probably a, a good alternative for some of those folks. So I don't know. I, I can see it continuing to be a very positive thing for our nation as a whole. And I would also guess that in 10 years, there would be very few people who are against it and probably not all that far from the folks who are against something like cigarettes or alcohol. It's just a just a measure of like personal freedom. If you think somebody should be able to do that or shouldn't, not really a, a measure of is it legal or not. I'm just going to record this as a random, random. I'm, I just wanted to record this as a random soundbite because we're talking about journaling. I think blogs and blogs are just effectively journals that you post out to the world. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, they're public, so that takes away any of your inner monologue. You have to highly edit your feelings out. Oh, okay. Unless but I wonder, I wonder your if blog good is blogs, personal. I was going to say, I wonder if good blogs don't do that. I wonder if good blogs are just 
There's just a million different ways you could do it. Yeah, you could definitely have a personal journal blog. But I think one of the things that you get taken away from if you do it only on the computer Mm -hmm. is physical journaling. And Charles gets into this, but physical journaling is meditative. It takes you away from the distractions and the Mm. blue light. It has all these benefits that doing it on a computer or an app or anything like that, you don't get. Got it. It's almost like that idea of of having something tactile to like hold or or use. Mm -hmm. Um, And and keyboards are tactile. I'm not trying to say they're not. But the act of writing, you know, the simplicity of that might be, the therapy might be in that as well. You know, it's not only in what the medium is, but the actual functionality of it and, and the process of doing it. Strawberry Sequoia. We've done it uh, yet again. <laughs> Another podcast in the books. Another one in the bank called Jeeves. What do we do now? Uh, off to the bar for a gin. I don't see why not. Are there terpenes in gin? There better be. Yeah, it's juniper. That's probably like pinene or some shit. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Oh. Juniper's from there like a terpene episode tree. coming soon. To Keep a theater near you. And here's the best way to actually know when that's going to happen. Like, share, subscribe, talk about this podcast. Because when you subscribe, you get like little notifications. Yeah. All of a sudden, you'll be sitting in your office on a Friday, just bummed as shit, waiting for the day to be over. Mm-hmm. Bing! Ooh, Ding. new podcast Ooh. from the Mary Jane Experience. What it's like to put cannabis in your vagina. I think I'll listen to that episode today. <laughs> Fuck these TPS reports. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, I don't have bad period cramps, so my neighbor has been testing these vaginal Ooh. suppositories for me, and she is in love. So I'm excited to post what is going to be her review because unfortunately, slash definitely fortunately, mm-hmm. I don't get period cramps. Yeah. Well, either way, Cannabis and Vaginas, a review coming soon. And with that, Miss Strawberry Sequoia, ravishing gorgeous intelligent creature that you are that was another episode of the mary jane experience podcast a portion of the mary jane experience we are an all-encompassing platform of education understanding reviews blogs news to help you jokes that we do have jokes he always forgets how funny i am (laughs) (laughs) don't forget to tell the people (laughs) i i will say I fell in love with you the first night I met you because of your jokes. Yeah. Well, not because She's of your funny. jokes. All everything about you, but jokes helped <laughs> a lot. Anyway, um, so with that, tell us a joke. What do you call a fake noodle? An impasta. <laughs> An impasta. I need anyway. some specific <clears throat> cannabis jokes. I'll work on it. Well, we're, we're going to do an entire episode of cannabis jokes. It's just going to be an hour of us high in a room telling yeah. cannabis jokes. If you're a cannabis comedian and you are listening right now, we want oh, you. Who's that guy who did? Snoop Dogg? No. Hmm. He's kind of like a Chris Rock? Sh- short, mustached, Oprah? white guy. Cheech and Chong. <laughs> Tommy Chong, if Danny you're Danny DeVito. There. Please come onto our podcast. Actually, anybody that has any good weed Donnie jokes, DeVito's Monster Dong. Send them to us. Okay. Maybe don't send us dong pics, please. That would be... Unless it's Donnie DeVito's. 
Monster Dom. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what you're getting at. But anyway. He has a Monster Dong. He talks about it all the time. Oh. Are you not a DeVito fan? No. I thought that was just a joke on Always Danny, Sunny. DeVito. Have I been saying Donnie? You were saying Donnie. Shit. That's all right. Well, whatever. He's Donnie a little Darko. bit too short to see in the long run. I hope he's listening to this podcast and just got really offended. That would be the best press we could ever get. Yeah. Anyway. Please write us a bad review. <laughs> Danny DeVito. DeVito. <laughs> <laughs> if there isn't a comedian out there with the alter ego Donnie DeVito, there should be. No, you know what it is? It's his monster's dong. His monster dong's name is Donnie DeVito. Or his monster dong's agent is Donnie DeVito. Because <laughs> <laughs> his dick is so big it has an agent. Yeah. His if you're so still listening right now, then we just want you to know that you have just won one free Dong DeVito Monster pick. Dong pick. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but we respect you and we love you. And, um, and with that, you. we love you. This has been another production of the Mary Jane Experience. Experience. You can find us on Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. SoundCloud, Spotify. Spotify, anywhere you find your podcast, you can always find us at MaryJaneExperience.com. That's where we post all of our blogs, all of our podcasts, all of the ancillary info about our Videos world. Shit. Uh, check out Shit's Delicious on YouTube. Also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Reddit. Reddit's big for us. With that, this has been another entertaining, fun chit chat about cannabis. Yeah. Thanks and for if you have ideas for podcasts, if you want to be interviewed yourself, hit us up. Our email is info at maryjaneexperience.com. We want to hear your story. We want to tell the stories of the people. We are your vessel. We can be your voice. It's wonderful. It is our calling. Anyway. Sweet. Thanks, everybody. Good night. Peace out, potheads. Peace out, potheads. <laughs>